Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Good afternoon and happy March, everyone. The madness is getting a little bit closer. Welcome to Taking You to School, the only college basketball show on the RF Sports Radio Network. I'm your host, Joe Perello of SweetSports.com. My colleague at Sweet Sports, Jeremy Conlon, could not be with us this week as he is a big-time ESPN blogger, and he is now enjoying the aftermath of the Sloan Sports Analytic Conference. Uh, took place down the road from us at MIT. He got to shake Mark Cuban's hand. Uh, he said it smelled like money in strippers. Uh, anyways, joining me is my faithful sidekick from one of the best basketball blogs on the net, Roundball Daily. He also contributes at Sheridan Hoops and Slam Magazine, Mr. Kells Dayton. Uh, how are things going over there in Connecticut, Kells? Uh, pretty good, Joe. You know, you can count on me. You know, Jeremy might go Hollywood on us. You might go big time on us. You can always count on me. You're not, you're not going to big league me, are you? <laughs> no, I'll try nothing. I'm never too big for taking you to school. All right, well, that's good. We are, you know, the best college basketball show on the net. Uh, and I guess we'll begin where we kind of have to. Uh, the biggest game of the day yesterday was obviously the Miami Hurricanes going into Cameron Indoor Stadium and taking on Duke. Uh, two teams that are fighting for number one seeds. Miami looking to close out the ACC with a title, there, which would be their first ACC title ever. Uh, they took Duke down to the wire. But in the end, it was a triumphant return from Duke's Ryan Kelly. The senior came back. Dropped 36 on the Canes, and Duke pulled away at the end, 79 to 76. So, Kells, uh, kind of two issues raised here. What does this say about Duke as a national title contender with Ryan Kelly back in the lineup? Uh, obviously, we can't expect him to go for 35 plus every time out, but he's such a big part of what they do on both ends, and such a great leader. Kells, you there? <laughs> Kels, did we look? You there? Yeah. Can you hear me now? I think we had a little technical glitch right there. Oh, okay. I'm sorry about that. Okay, no worries. No worries. Did, did you hear the question? Yeah. Um, yeah, I was going to say, uh, you know, it's it's an unbelievable performance by Kelly, 36 points. Uh, they never could have expected that out of him. And he's yeah. been, um, that, that was just an unbelievable uh, comeback. It was like an Adrian Peterson like comeback, almost <laughs> something you never could have, never could have expected. But uh, I think, you know, he's not going to do that every game, obviously, but, you know, getting him back in the lineup, I think solidifies them as a national championship contender, especially this year when there's no clear cut favorite. And if he's going to play like that, I mean, they, they definitely could be a team to beat. And, you look at the fact that uh, they won that game coming back. Obviously, the loss to Virginia hurts them, but it almost mm -hmm. doesn't mean as much because, you know, the selection committee does look at, you know, injuries and, and things like that. So if Kelly's going to mean this much to them and they go out and, and finish the season strong, they could be looking at a number one seed here. Yeah, and I will say I thought they were a little bit overrated all year without Kelly in the lineup. I thought they were a totally different team without him, but – my God, I didn't realize they were this much of a different team. I mean, this is they lost by, what, 30-something to Miami earlier in the year without him, and then they come right. out and beat the Canes with him. So, uh, obviously, you know, he's a senior kind of – Duke has always traditionally played well when they've had veteran teams 
that uh, Coach K has been able to keep on the floor together for a couple of years. Uh, other side of the coin with that is Miami. And obviously they may be, I'll just come out and say, it, they're the best story in college basketball this season. This is a team that's never won the ACC. I believe they shared the Big East with Syracuse back in, what, 2000, something like that. But, you know, this is not a power program. Uh, you know, they can they can lock down at least a share of the ACC title with a win this week. Uh, they've lost two games pretty recently, but you still got to feel like this is a pretty dangerous team going into the tournament, don't you? Well, I definitely think so. And I think that the uh, game against Duke only uh, reinforces that because, you know, you're playing in Cameron Indoor Stadium, which is probably, if not Allen Fieldhouse, it's probably the toughest place in the country to play. Um, they still put up a great showing. You know, you look at Shane Larkin uh, had a big game, 25 mm-hmm. points. Uh, you look at Scott, obviously great defensively, and, mm-hmm. and those guys uh, really, you know, stepped up and played well. And, you know, that three in the corner, if that goes down, we're going yeah. overtime at the end of the game. So I think they, they, you know, put up a good showing, and they proved that they belong. They are one of the elite teams in the country. Um, and I think there's no question, you know, if this is a neutral site game, if Kelly doesn't go for 36, <laughs> you know, maybe it's different again. I mean, if, if Kelly's not there, who knows? It could be another blowout without his contribution. So I think uh, Miami's definitely legitimate. Yeah, and this was one of those games where I think you had to come out feeling pretty good about both teams uh, playing. Uh, you know, Miami playing on the road with Kelly coming back from after a two-month hiatus, and he just goes crazy. So if you're Duke, you feel good that this guy can come out and show no rust and play so well. If you're Miami, you feel good that you can go to Cameron Indoor Stadium, like you said, one of the toughest places to play in the country. And guys like Shane Larkin can step up and play such great games. And Shane Larkin, boy, what a season he's had for the undersized guard. Uh, it's it's just been an amazing run for Miami. And, uh, you know, if you're a Hurricane fan, you, you've got the coach with the uh, the NCAA tournament pedigree. You've got a ton of experience. Uh, this team has deep, deep uh, tournament run written all over them. Right. I mean, Jim Laranega could be national coach of the year with what he's done. Uh, he's he's an unbelievable coach. Have you seen the pregame locker room speeches that he gives? I mean, you just want <laughs> to run through a wall with that. He's, he's unbelievable, <laughs> unbelievable motivator. And uh, he, he really could be the national coach of the year, I think. He's just done a terrific job there. I mean, who would have thought Miami, coming out of absolutely nowhere this season, who would have thought that they would be, you know, a Final Four contender? And, and I think Larkin's been really the key to that, 25 points again. Uh, yesterday, and I think uh, he's he's done a terrific job leading that team. Yeah, I, I certainly can't think of anybody who's done a better coaching job than Larinaga this year. But, uh, you know, again, amazing story for the Canes. We'll move on to a, a slightly different story, uh, a very interesting story, uh, out of the Big East, and things are about to get real confusing. Uh, as you know, schools like Pittsburgh, Syracuse, Rutgers, Louisville – They're all jumping ship from the Big East in the next year or two, largely due to football TV revenues. Uh, And that's going to leave us with the Catholic Seven Schools, as they're calling themselves. Uh, And they've made their intentions to leave and start their own basketball-focused conference. Uh, But they're still left in the Big East right now with Big East Main State Connecticut, uh, Conference USA Transfer Cincinnati, and South Florida, who nobody seems to want right now. Uh, basically the Catholic seven, they want out, but they want the name big East and they want to play their postseason tournament, uh, in Madison square garden, which is kind of, you know, one of the crowning, uh, achievements of the big, the big East, that great postseason tournament that they put in so long ago, uh, the Catholic seven schools, which include to what Georgetown, St. John, DePaul, Marquette, Villanova, Providence, Seton hall, 
Uh, it looks like they're going to look to add Butler and Xavier from the Atlantic 10, two really good basketball programs. Uh, and then there's another school rumored to be Creighton that they would add, another pretty solid program. Uh, Kels, I know you're a Big East guy. Uh, what do you kind of make all, of all this? Does the Catholic 7 have the right to keep this name? Uh, you know, the Big East, the old Big East now, I don't know, the conference formerly known as the Big East, they're going to get a bunch of Conference USA teams like Central Florida and East Carolina. Uh, what do we make of all this? Is it fair or foul, and what do we call the old Big East now? Uh, that's a great question. I mean, I don't I don't know what to call the old Big East, but to be honest with you, Joe, I, I do think it is fair because you look at the new teams that are coming in here, they have no Big East history with the name and the tradition yeah. uh, playing in Madison Square Garden. I understand that that's the reason why they did come into the Big East, but, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, when I think about the Big East, and I grew up in Connecticut, I uh, love the Big East, used to go to the Big East tournament every year. Uh, it's just an absolute shame what's going uh, to happen yeah. to it and it. Especially for UConn, I mean, it's just an absolute. It's it's terrible for them to be losing games against Georgetown, Syracuse, Louisville. I mean, those are the games that you live for as as a Big East basketball fan. But yeah. you know, when you you look at them taking the name, you know, and and trying to play in Madison Square Garden, I think the you know one of the main reasons for that was because of St. John's, especially when they were good uh, back in the day. When you look at uh, Chris Mullen when he was there, and even towards Ron Artest's years when, when he took them to <laughs> Elite Eight. So I think it is fair that they do, you know, keep the name. Um, when I think about the Big East, I'm not thinking about SMU and, and <laughs> South Florida, Cincinnati. I'm thinking about Georgetown. I'm thinking about Providence. I'm thinking about Seton Hall. So, you know, I think it's fair. I think I think they should keep the name. I would love to see UConn be able to play basketball in that league and maybe play football yeah. in the other league. I'd love to see that happen probably won't happen, but I think, you know, it's going to be interesting. And as far as how good they can be as a league, I still think think they can be, you know, a legitimate league, uh, maybe a little bit better than the Atlantic 10. I still think you look at programs like Marquette, which has done an amazing job, 12-4 and four this year in that yeah. league, especially yeah. with Buzz Williams. He's done a great job. So I think it can be a viable conference. And, a, you know, I'd hate to see the ACC take over Madison Square Garden because as a Big East yeah. fan, growing up, it, it was, there was nothing better than that tournament. Yeah, I, I agree. It's the it's the uh, the crown jewel of postseason tournaments, if you will. And you know, uh, you look at this league. Like you said, there's a lot of Big East history in this league. And I think, uh, like you said, schools like Marquette, Georgetown, Seton Hall, Providence, St. John's, they've all been good at at one point or another. So there's no reason to think that this couldn't be a very good basketball league. And then you add Xavier, who's had the recent success, and obviously Butler, who's been the uh, the mid-major uh, surprise, although I don't think we can call them a surprise anymore, but they've made two runs to the championship game. Uh, let's just say it's not going to be an easy league. It's going to be better than this year's SEC, I would think. Uh, right. <laughs> it's not hard to be better than this year's SEC. But yeah. Still. Yeah, well, we'll get to this year's uh, SEC uh, in a little bit. Uh, my question to you, uh, what do you think in uh, all this all this conference realignment and expansion, things like that, where do you think ultimately a school like Connecticut, who has a very, very good basketball tradition, uh, an up-and-coming of sorts football program, and Cincinnati with pretty good basketball, pretty good football, not certainly not dominant either one. I mean, those two schools have to be pretty attractive to conferences like the ACC, which is probably going to look to expand. The Big 12 would probably like to get back to 12 at some point, so why wouldn't they suck up Cincinnati? Do you see them maybe ending up in one of these leagues or, or – do they go independent? What what can you do at this point? 
I mean, that, that's that's going to be the main question, I think, for UConn right now and Cincinnati also. But, I mean, it, I think they've got to hope that, that someone extends the invitation because this is not what any of these guys had in mind, you know, when yeah. they're bringing some of these teams from Conference USA in. And, um, you know, at this point, I mean, there's nothing much you can do. It, it seems like it's out of everyone's hands and, mm. you know, everyone's chasing the money. It just seems like it's so out of control that, you know, it, it's just, you know, where the dominoes fall. So, I think uh, they've got to be open for that invitation. I think UConn obviously now makes sense for the ACC. Um, yeah. I'm not sure, you know, if they do expand, if they decide to look at UConn first. I think they should. I think you know UConn would be more attractive than Cincinnati in that spot. Mm-hmm. But the whole thing is just—it's just a complete shame. It's just become basically, you know, a, a Hunger Games of sorts. It's just—it's out of control. <laughs> and uh, I mean, what, what can you do about it? It's just—it's ridiculous. Yeah, and then you seem money. to have the Rick. Yeah, I was gonna say you you seem to have the Rick Pitino attitude that uh, football money is killing college basketball. Well, I think there's no question it is, and uh, I think the other thing about it is, you know, these these schools are making so much money off of these kids. Uh, at some point, there's going to be a, a revolution where I mean, they're going to have to get paid because before yeah. you could hide behind the mask of the fact that oh, this is you know amateur athletics, you know. It's, it's college basketball is different. It's a different entity. We're not necessarily going after the big dollars, but with this blatant, it's, it's so blatantly obvious what's going on here. How can they yeah. hide behind that anymore? I think you know at some point they've already you know they've they've they can't put the genie back in the bottle here, and at some point yeah. it may be it may end up that we're going to have to start paying the players. Well, you know some programs already do that, so they're uh, we'll call them ahead of the curve. Uh, we won't get into that. Now, but uh, let's move on to a slightly more positive subject. Uh, it's March. Happy March, Kels. Uh, <laughs> we're two weeks away from Selection Sunday. It's hard to believe Selection Sunday is that deep into March. We're two weeks away from Selection Sunday. Uh, let's talk about bubble teams because that's at this time of year, that's everybody's worried about bubble teams, and every time they lose, everyone freaks out, even though by their almost definition, these are teams that are losing once a week in conference play because that's why they're on the bubble. Uh when you look at who are you looking at across the country as some bubble teams that really need to pick up some wins in these last two or three games that they've got on their schedule? Um, well, I think the first team, obviously, that you have to go to is uh, Kentucky in the SEC. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, they've been up and down, and they're going to be the highest-profile bubble team uh, this mm-hmm. year. Um, I think, obviously, with their game on Saturday with them uh, losing to Arkansas, I think that was obviously yeah. a big loss for them. Um, I think they're still in decent shape. You know, they got the game against Florida at home on March 9th. I wouldn't be surprised to see them win that one and maybe get mm-hmm. back in there. You look at their conference record, they're 11-5 and in the SEC. Yeah. I mean, usually that would get you into the tournament uh, as a lock pretty much, but this year's SEC <laughs> obviously is awful. So uh, yeah. I think they're an interesting team. I think you look at Ole Miss yesterday losing to Mississippi State. That is one of the worst losses that you could possibly yeah. think of. They have been absolutely dreadful, Mississippi State, this season. So, I think uh, those two teams are certainly interesting. I think there's some teams that aren't getting respect. Uh, when you look at St. Mary's, what they've done this mm-hmm. year, uh, Matthew Delvadova, a great guard uh, in that conference. Obviously, uh, they've got a great conference record when you look at 14 and 2, 26 and 5 overall. I know they haven't beaten anybody, and they've got some you know questionable losses. They lost to Pacific early in the year, lost yeah. to Georgia Tech, but I do think they've gotten better over the course of the year. And, uh, you know, they've won something like 17 out of 18 games. The only thing, only game they lost was uh, Gonzaga. So they're an interesting team. Yeah. I think they should be in the tournament. 
But I think those are the two main teams that I'm looking at. And then, obviously, there's some teams like Indiana State uh, in that uh, Missouri Valley Conference. They've got some good out-of-conference wins when you look at They beat Mississippi, uh, beat Miami, which is something that we're hanging their head right now. And they've got some good players as well. So it's interesting. I think the bubble is is kind of wide open at this point. Um, I think there's a lot of teams on there, and it's going to be really interesting to see what happens over these next couple of weeks. Oh, yeah, most definitely. And obviously having the four extra teams makes that bubble even wider. Uh, And like you said, I'm looking at the SEC, and I almost feel like the entire conference is on the bubble outside of Florida. You know, (laughs) you look at Kentucky, they go down to Arkansas, tough place to play and lose. Uh, Tennessee was kind of the hot team in the conference. They get cooled off by Georgia. Alabama, you know, forgivable loss at Florida, but Alabama really needs to pick up a marquee win here at some point. Uh, To me, I got to think Tennessee and Arkansas are kind of out of it at this point. Ole Miss, like you said, that was a terrible, terrible loss, but, you know, they've still got some chances left to impress the committee. Uh, I look at that Alabama at Ole Miss game as a big one, kind of a knockout game. And then, like yep. you said, you know, Kentucky and Florida, that's a big, big chance for the Wildcats to prove themselves. Right. And I think it's going to be very – it's going to be fascinating, really, with this SEC tournament because you look at Arkansas and you would think at this point that they're out, even though that that was a big win yesterday. But what yep. if they make a run to the semifinals? I mean, are you putting yeah. them in at that point? I mean, that, that could be really interesting. And then also, I mean, who's going to make – if if someone makes a run to the SEC championship game out of one of those bubble teams, let's say Alabama makes that kind of run, I think they're going to get put in. So I think uh, two or three teams will probably make it. I know Missouri, a lot of people are uh, talking about them as as a lock, and I think they probably are at this point. But I think, you know, two or three bids, and that's it out of the SEC. So it could be very – that tournament could be interesting. Yeah, the SEC, the worst major conference since last year's Pac-12. But uh, we'll move on from there uh, to this year's Pac-12. And, and you, you talked about Missouri. You know, they're not a team that comes to everyone's mind, everyone's mind as a power, but we're kind of thinking them as, as being in right now. Uh, let's start out west. We haven't talked a lot of Pac-12 on this show. Uh, who right now, Pac-12 isn't exactly, a, you know, a, a standout conference either. Uh, I gotta believe Oregon and UCLA are in, but outside of them, Cal, Cal has some good wins. Arizona has some good wins, but all these teams seem to have bad losses. Who in the Pac-12 do you think is in at this point? Uh, well, I think I think you're right. I think Oregon, UCLA. I gotta put Arizona in at this point. Uh, Twenty-three mm-hmm. and six. I think they've they've probably done enough, obviously, to be a lock at this point. Uh, Cal is a really interesting team. Uh, Twenty and nine right now. Twelve and five in the conference. Uh, they do have some questionable losses when you go back. Yeah. Uh, lost three in a row to uh, Wisconsin, UNLV, and Creighton. Uh, lost to Harvard, which is not, you know, that's a yeah. pretty awful loss right there. But, uh, you know, I think, you know, last year Colorado made that run out of the Pac-12, which was very mm-hmm. interesting. They were not in the tournament at all last year until they made that run and won the Pac-12 championship out there in uh, L.A. So I think, again, it's going gonna, it's gonna to come down to that tournament. But at this point, I would say – there's only four that are locks. I think Oregon, UCLA, Cal, and Arizona. The rest of them are on the bubble, and, and I'm not sure there is another team that, that is in right now. Okay. All right, let's move over a little bit east and go to the Big 12. Obviously, Kansas has really come on strong of late. They're tied up at the top of the standings with Kansas State, who they blew out the last time they faced them. So you got to believe Kansas is the best team in that conference. And after a little bit of uh, a couple losses by the Canes and some other shakeup, they might be staring at a number one seed. 
But outside of them, who's a lock for the tournament in the Big 12? Well, I think, obviously, Kansas State, um, outstanding mm-hmm. this year, 24-5, and 13-3. Uh, they could be a, a top-10 team uh, in the next mm-hmm. poll. I think they've done a terrific job. That uh, buzzer beater at Baylor yesterday was pretty awesome. Uh, I think Oklahoma's right there on the bubble. Uh, Oklahoma State, mm-hmm. obviously, is in. Um, Oklahoma, Iowa State, Baylor, those are the teams that you're looking at on the bubble. Oklahoma's ten and six in conference. Uh, Iowa State's nine and seven. Baylor's eight and eight. I think Baylor's on the outside looking in at this point. Um, and I think that you look at Iowa State. I think they're probably have done enough to get in. That would have been a huge win if they would have gotten it against Kansas mm-hmm. at Hilton. Uh, I think it was on Monday. Um, so that that would have been big. That was an overtime game. They did lose to Oklahoma at Oklahoma. Um, Oklahoma State is coming up on March sixth for them. So that could be a, a really big game for them as well. But uh, the locks, I would say Kansas, Kansas State, Oklahoma State, and uh, Oklahoma, Iowa State, and Baylor sitting on the bubble right now. Yeah, and, and Iowa State's been really good at home this year. It's going to be interesting to see what they can do on a neutral court and all these different things. You know, because the committee, they almost look for those marquee road wins. You know, what can you do for me on the road? Because obviously in the tournament, you're not playing at home. So right, it, right. it's a little bit of a different animal. Uh Let's move over a little bit. We talked about the ACC, the top teams. You got obviously Miami and Duke, uh, North Carolina. Man, they they've kind of bounced back from a slow start. They look like they're in at this point. Virginia probably looks like it's going. Uh, am, am I crazy to think that North Carolina State's also going? And you know Maryland has some good wins to their name. They've been you know up and down in conference play, but th- this league seems like it's got you know five or six teams that we can safely assume are going to get in. Right, I think you're right. I think Miami, obviously Duke. I think North Carolina's in ten and five. They've done a great job. Roy Williams has done an excellent yeah. job. If it wasn't for uh, Jim Laranaga, he might be uh, considered as uh, one of the coaches of the, year, of the year in that conference. And uh, NC State's interesting, Joe, because you look at their last month, and they really haven't done any, anything special. No. And you really look in league play, they had that win over Duke, but that's pretty much it right now. Um, so you look at them, they lost to Wake Forest, which is a bad loss, uh, one-point loss on the road at Maryland. Um, you look at them obviously losing at North Carolina, which is not a terrible loss, but they're going to have to take some care of some business uh, in their next three games. they got at Georgia Tech, then they are home for Wake Forest, and then they go down to uh, Tallahassee for Florida State. So uh, they're not in, I don't think, at this point. I think it's going to mm-hmm. depend, obviously. As, as we go further in the season, obviously the games get bigger, so – for them, I think the rest of the season is going to be huge. I like Maryland a little bit more right now. They do have that head-to-head yeah. win over NC State, um, and they do have some great wins. I mean, they beat Duke at home, uh, which is a nice win for them. Um, obviously, you take a look at uh, earlier in the season, they had a huge run where they won about 16 games in a row. So um, they, they've got some good wins, and, and I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens to them in the conference tournament as well. Yeah, I, I got to tell you, I really like Maryland. Uh, after watching them play Duke and Alex Len and the the dominance that he had in that game, uh, shooting up everyone's draft board. I mean, a seven footer that can that can score like that and with that kind of skill. I think when you have a weapon like that, you're always an interesting team come tournament time. Because when he's on, how do you stop that? You know. Yeah, that's very true. I mean, those, those are the type of teams you look at to make a run. A team with yeah. a, a guy who has a big big time uh, draft pick. So. I think they could be a very – if they get in, they could be dangerous. Yeah, most most definitely. Uh, we'll move over to your conference, the Big East. Uh, nobody has been hotter than the Georgetown Hoyas. And uh, Otto Porter and, and their big overtime or double overtime win a couple of days ago, you know, 
the Hoyas are on fire. You know, last week you said that you still thought Syracuse was more built for a deep run. Uh, the, the Orange aren't exactly holding up their end of the bargain for you. Uh, yeah. You know, I'm looking at Georgetown, Louisville, Marquette, Pitt, and Syracuse, and Notre Dame, all probably in, I think, Connecticut. Uh, well, I don't know. I'll, I'll go to you on uh, on where you think the cutoff is in that tournament. I think Connecticut's probably done enough to get in. They're going to be a 20-some win team by the end of it. Uh, what do you think well, right now? Well, you kind of – I think they should – they would have been in if uh, they could make it. Obviously, they have – Yeah, yeah, you know so not, Yeah, but, I mean, I think you look at this league, I think you're right. I think that really is where the cutoff is. I think Villanova, 8-8 uh, eight and eight, uh, in the league, great, or 9-8 and eight actually in the league, 18-12 and 12, uh, overall. You know, they're probably the most fascinating team uh, when you look mm-hmm. at Villanova – um, I think they have obviously some great wins with the win over Syracuse and Louisville, but uh, that loss to Seton Hall is just not a good loss. It's kind of like the uh, Mississippi State loss for Ole Miss. Yeah, uh, it's a really bad loss. They lost at Pittsburgh, which you know can't blame them for that. But at some point, you got to win some of these games. Uh, if they mm-hmm. lose to Georgetown at home on March sixth, I think that could be the death knell for them. Uh, I think Cincinnati's <laughs> probably done enough to get in uh, twenty and nine overall. They have some good wins. And another team that's coming on strong right now, Joe, could make a run here. I'm looking at Providence. Got Don't, give me the Friars. Don't give me the Friars. Don't give me the Friars. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. <laughs> they do have some, some bad losses. That loss at Syracuse yeah. was awful. But that win over St. John's was a big win yeah. for them on March 2nd. And um, I think they could make a run. They've been coming back. They weren't healthy early in the year. And they did yeah. lose a lot of games. They didn't have Chris Dunn. But I think you look at them now, they're as talented as uh, some of these other teams like Villanova and Cincinnati. If they win mm-hmm. out and they make a run in the Big East tournament, they could they could sneak in there. You know, uh, I'd like to believe you because I like watching the Friars. I think they're a fun team. Like you said, Chris Dunn, the freshman uh, point guard, is really exciting. They've got a really, really nice athletic front court. Uh, they're kind of a sleeper in that conference. And you know what? If they can bring back all their non-seniors, all the juniors that, that would come back, along with, uh, obviously, they have the high-profile shooting guard, Ricky Lito, who's sitting out this year uh, as a partial qualifier. You know, that's a team to be reckoned with next year. But, you know, I think they had their chance. If they could have shocked Syracuse at the Carrier Dome last week, then I think they'd still be in the conversation because they'd have that marquee win. But I I think right now, unless they get to the finals of the Big East tournament, I I don't see them getting in. But but you're right about that. They're definitely a team to watch. They don't have many big wins, and that that could hurt them. But yeah. I think you know it's still it's been a great job by Ed Cooley bringing them back to 500 in conference. Mm-hmm. And I think if the committee looks at the fact that they did have people hurt early in the year, it yeah. could work in their favor. It's a big bubble, Joe. Uh, we got to get 68 teams in there, so yeah, got to find no. I, <laughs> That's true. And you know what? You could do a lot worse than Providence. They're a fun team, and you know I wouldn't want to play them in the first round. So uh, there's no doubt about that. Uh, no, we're running out of time already. You know, Kelsey, we don't even need Jeremy. We're running through this stuff so quick. We've only got a couple minutes left. We'll go to the Big Ten and, and just give me your cutoff point real quick. Indiana, Michigan State, Ohio State, Wisconsin, Michigan, they're all in. I think Minnesota, obviously the big win over Indiana. Illinois is another one of those kind of mid-level Big Ten enigmas, but I think they're in at this point. I don't know. I think there's a pretty big drop-off after that to teams like Iowa and Purdue that I just can't see making the tournament. I mean, obviously, Purdue's not even 500, but Iowa would be the one team. Maybe you could say Illinois is on the bubble, but where's your cutoff in the Big Ten? I think you're exactly right. I mean, I think Iowa's probably the only bubble team. And, uh, mm-hmm. I, you know, 
there's only seven and nine in the conference, but obviously being such a tough league this year, uh, they probably have to do some more, probably have to make some noise in the Big Ten tournament to get in. But uh, I think they are the one bubble team, and I would not be shocked if they got in if they made, you know, won a couple games in that Big Ten tournament. I think they're a decent team. I like what Fran McCaffrey's done. They've got some good players, so I wouldn't be shocked to see them make it. Okay, fair enough. All right, Kells, we're going to let you squeeze this in. I know you want to talk about National Players of the Year. we got about two minutes left. Uh, I know you're a big fan of Marcus Smart. Uh, obviously, there's going to be those two IU guys, uh, Cody Zeller and Victor Oladipo, who – I think Oladipo is the classic. He's so underrated, he's overrated at this point. Like, I don't think anybody was talking about him at the beginning of the year. But now I think he's, you know, we're talking about him like he's Michael Jordan or something. I think he's a very good player, and he certainly deserves to be in the conversation. But who are your, let's say, top two or three guys that you would consider for National Player of the Year? Um, I think you're right. I think you got to look, obviously, at the two Indiana guys. And I think Oladipo maybe has gotten a little bit too much uh, credit over the past, you know, couple of weeks when he's become kind of the front runner in the national player of the year conversation. Um, I think, you know, he's averaging 14 points a game, six rebounds, but you look at some of the numbers. I mean, obviously Trey Burke has been outstanding for Michigan, Mm. uh, 18.8 points, 6.9 assists per game. Um, Otto Porter has come out of nowhere. I think he could be a guy that uh, maybe if he had a little more publicity early in the season, he might've been able to get up there and, and taken that national player of the year, uh, position away, and I also think, you know, you look at Marcus Smart, I know obviously they like to have a team that is a top 10 team, top 5 team, but uh, mm-hmm. he's really been a do-everything player for Oklahoma State, so I think those three guys, I think you got to look at Mason Plumley. If I had to pick mm-hmm. it right now, you know, I'd probably go with Oladipo, but um, I think there's still obviously a lot of basketball left to be played, and I think it's interesting. I think it's going to be an interesting race. You know, uh, i got to say, my guy, my favorite guy to watch is Otto Porter. I think he just – people just bounce off him when he uh, takes the ball off the dribble. And, you know, he can get to the basket at will. He's a pretty good – you know, he's got a pretty good range on his jump shot. Uh, and when it's winning time, he just seems to sense that and, and kind of take over for a Georgetown team that is a little bit otherwise offensively challenged. Uh, we got 15 seconds left. I guess we got to get going. Uh Thank you, uh, thank you to all you folks for tuning in. Uh, for Kells Dayton of Round Ball Daily, I'm Joe Perello of SweetSports.com. Uh, if you can't get enough college hoops, big game on CBS in about a half hour, Michigan, Michigan State. Enjoy the madness of March, everybody. We'll see you next week. Bye. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.